is full of anger. But the good news is that it's also full of things that remind you not to let them. So every time you raise a Pacifico, let it be a reminder to live life anchors up. An energy savings agreement from Air Comfort Solutions can maximize your home's energy efficiency. It can keep your AC and furnace systems working properly all year long and save you money by reducing costs from separate AC and furnace tune-up. Those aren't the only benefits, though. You'll get 15% off HVAC repairs, same-day service, a spring and fall tune-up, and no overtime charges. Save energy, time, and money all year long with Air Comfort Solutions Energy Savings Agreement. Call 721-3740 or visit aircomfortsolutions.com. When a parent struggles with addiction or dies from a drug overdose, what happens to their children? Far too many end up in foster care, unable to ever return to their birth homes because it's simply not safe. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is fighting the clock so that teens don't age out of foster care, leaving them at a higher risk of addiction and other negative outcomes that can happen to a child without the love and stability of a permanent family. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Hey, all you electricians out there, are you unhappy with your job? Ever feel like some employers see you as just a name on a time card instead of a human being? At Wade Electric, they're a third-generation family-owned company serving the Norman and Oklahoma City area for over 50 years. They value their employees and want to help them succeed and enjoy their career in the electrical field. If you are unsatisfied with your current situation and you're ready to make a change, call Wade Electric now at 405-329-1940 to hear about their benefits and learn how to join the Wade Electric team. It's time for the Steelman and Thune at Noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Welcome in, everybody. It is a Tuesday edition. Parker's still over at the uh, Brent Vittables press conference. And uh, he'll be joining us here in just a little bit uh, once he gets done with the uh, BB press conference, which got underway uh, about 10 minutes late today. So that's why Parker's running a little bit late over there covering the press conference. Sooners and uh, Kent State on ESPN Plus coming up Saturday night at 6 o'clock. You better be getting ESPN Plus if you don't have it already and figure it out. Figure it out. It's not that difficult. But uh, no pay-per-view. This is an ESPN Plus Broadcast coming up Saturday with Oklahoma heavily favored to beat the Golden Flashes of Kent State, who lost to Washington uh, in their opener last week. The Sooners, of course, took care of business and got it done in uh, their first game of the Brent Venables era, taking down UTEP. A pretty solid, not spectacular, but a solid performance by Oklahoma. A lot of things you like to see, better tackling, gang tackling, 
they stopped the run. You know, they didn't give up big plays. There was a lot to like. Again, you kind of felt like after that first quarter, which was unbelievable for OU, that the Sooners are going to win that game, you know, 70-3 to or something, or one of my uncle's predictions. Uh, that didn't happen. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more dominance from Oklahoma, yet still for the first game of the Brent era, not too bad for the Sooners. And now they get ready for K-State. Here's what Brent Vittable said not too long ago about uh, their opponent coming up Saturday nights. Game week again. Uh, got Kent State coming in here. Um, another bowl team, a team that played for their conference championship a year ago and are picked to win their division again this year. They've done a great job, uh, Coach Lewis and his staff, at uh, developing their team. And uh, got good players um, on both sides of the ball. Um, obviously, I'm a defensive guy, so I look at their, their offense first. And uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, they lost the quarterback last year. He's with somebody in the NFL now. No, but they got great skill. Uh, we feel like they've got a couple of receivers, they're NFL quality receivers, uh, excellent backs. They're going to fight you with everything they got. One thing I've watching the tape, I love how hard they play and compete, uh, regardless of the score. Uh, man, they play incredibly hard. Chase the ball uh, on defense and on offense. Man, they're going to keep coming at you and throwing haymakers. So, I uh, got a lot of respect for how they play. All right, and the Sooners come into the matchup a 32-and-a-half-point favorite again, 6 o'clock kick time down at Norman Saturday evening. And again, uh, Kent State lost its opener to Washington. The Sooners, of course, had had a pretty easy day in their win over Texas El Paso last week. And again, Oklahoma, a 32-and-a-half-point favorite in this matchup. Now, one of the things that happened last week, Oklahoma scored early, often, and they didn't take a lot of time doing it. And that's been one of the debates. Jeff Levy wants to play up-tempo. How will that affect your defense? I think certainly just about every Oklahoma fan feels a lot better with Jerry Schmidt heading up strength and conditioning. Now, that couldn't be – you know, just a gigantic issue, but it could be an issue if you score that quickly all the time for your defense. And, uh, you know, Brent Venables talked about that today. He was asked about the, the tempo dilemma and how it might affect the defense. And Brent said, you know what? You don't need to worry about the offensive's tempo if you're on the defense. Uh, our job's to stop people. You know, the way to get off the field is you go three and out. You know, you be more precise and you be more exact in what you're doing and uh, do a, an effective job playing tough and physical and great uh, communication and great fundamentals, and you get off the field. And that's my expectation that we get to a point where we're, you know, we should have a goal and a vision for leading the country in three and outs. And, and that's where you get 11 guys playing together. And uh, we're, we got a long ways to go to do that. And um, But I was really pleased with a lot of the things from. Uh, from Saturday, but I didn't like our efficiency at times. There's a couple of drives that, um, you know, we weren't as efficient as a collectively as an, as a, as the 11 guys need to be uh, to get off the field and make layups and uh, you know things of that nature. So uh, you don't need to worry about what's going on offense. Your job is to stop people. Period. And uh, you know, stop making excuses. And that, not that they were, but I want to make sure that that narrative isn't doesn't get inside of our walls. There you go. I love hearing that from Brent today at his press conference. And again, uh, Parker's still over there on his way over to the studio. In the meantime, we got our man Connor Pasby with us. But you think about what Oklahoma did defensively last last week. They completely shut off the run. Now I know it's Texas El Paso. You're not playing K State or Texas or Baylor or Oklahoma State. 
But again, they held the UTEP Miners to less than a yard per carry, 0.9 yards per rush. They had nine tackles for losses. They had six sacks. It was better in terms of tackling. Did they make every tackle? No, but they made the vast majority of those tackles last Saturday. And we saw a lot of, you know, waving your arm, arm tackling. You certainly didn't see as much, uh, I think, in terms of sooner guys around the ball uh, over the last few years. Um, You know, and I'm I'm not trying to dog Alex Grinch that much. He did a few good things, but you saw a bunch of Sooner helmets there, man. Swarming to the ball. Yes, absolutely. That's what you love to see. And, again, I thought there was a lot that was really good about Oklahoma's defensive performance on Saturday. And, again, I'm taking into account that it was Texas El Paso. And, again, Kent State Sooners should be able to win this game and, and cover this weekend. Uh, but, again, I think it was a good, solid foundation for Oklahoma. There's still work to be done. The one thing I think that Oklahoma fans have to feel pretty good about is I think this staff is going to be the kind of staff that is going to, um, you know, shape this team from week to week where they get better. It doesn't mean they're going to win every game. They might lose. They might lose in the Cotton Bowl. They might have an issue uh, in Lincoln. I still think Nebraska is going to provide some opposition in that game. I still think the sh- the Sooners should go win, but I'm not. If you're th- just saying that's an automatic Oklahoma waltzes into Lincoln and wins by four touchdowns, I don't think that's going to happen. If it does, that's a great sign. But I like what I'm seeing. I, I particularly, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, that's what Oklahoma fans want to see improve, and I think they're moving in a positive direction. What did you think of the opener? Well, it was the defense that you wanted to see in the first game. You didn't see many missed tackles that were as we're used to seeing. We had held UTEP to minus 35 yards at halftime, so that's a plus right there. In general, Mike, they just looked a lot bigger. You had guys last year that didn't really stand out, and they stood out in week one. Reggie Grimes was a big one that stood out. He just looked a lot bigger, more physical. But, yeah, I just thought it was more physical group. They worked well on defense. I thought Dylan Gabriel looked good. There were some hiccups in the second quarter with the offense, but outside of that, that's what you wanted to see in week one. Yeah, I think for the most part, again, and, uh, you know, Alex Grinch, they were talking about speed D, speed D, speed D. Well, that told me again, all right, are we talking still about Big 12 flag football type defense? You, particularly if you're heading into the SEC as the Sooners are, you've got to be bigger. You've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to be better. Uh, particularly on the defensive line. and Well, in, in every line of your defense, you have to be better to be a serious contender in the SEC. But I do like the fact that they didn't give up big plays. I know that some Sooner fans were a little bit frustrated because there was some dinking and dunking, and UTEP held on to the football, and that got a little bit frustrating. But again, they were playing to stop the big play. So keep everything in front of you. Tackle well when you have to. And for the most part, the Sooners did that. So I think, again, there was a lot uh, positive last weekend. If they can continue to build on that, Sooners are going to have a really good football team. And with their schedule again, when you get uh, some of those heavyweights, Baylor and Oklahoma State, at the end of the year, then I think this defense is going to look you know, even better if they stay healthy. They've and then a, 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 to bal- really good. a balanced attack on offense, too, with the – we had 233 passing yards. I forgot what the rushing yards was, but it was a little over 200. So offensive attack with running and passing. I like I like what I saw from the running backs too with Derek Gray and you saw Marcus Major there later on. Barnes had that fumble, but it was still a very physical run. So I like the running backs too. 
Yeah, like I said, there's a lot to like, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see some of the guys. I know Daniel Parker will be back. Brent said that Daniel Parker will be back, the big uh, transfer tight end from Missouri, great blocking tight end. Although, you know who looked like a great blocking tight end last weekend? Braden freaking Willis. On the Gavin Freeman run, taking out four guys, man. He he might have been the most impressive player on the field Saturday. Braden Willis coming back for another year at Oklahoma. Sooner fans are happy about that because he played spectacular football, two touchdown catches, incredible blocking, and had just a phenomenal game for Oklahoma in week one. But Daniel Parker's going to be back. Brent talked about Wanye Morris still working through some stuff. He should be back for Nebraska, and the way Brent phrased it, when he comes back, he's going to be right back in there in the starting lineup. So you would uh, anticipate that you would see Wanye Morris. You know, who knows what happens if somebody goes out and grades A++, you know, in the uh, UTEP game. Uh, or the Kent State game coming up this weekend. But I would expect to see uh, Wanya Morris back in the starting lineup for the Nebraska game. So, once again, we've got uh, the Sooners and Kent State coming up Saturday night, ESPN Plus telecast, 6 o'clock kickoff, Oklahoma, a 32.5-point favorite. By the way, we want to thank our opening hour sponsor, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Yes, that Lasher, Tim Lasher, great former Sooner kicker, great guy as well. He's got a great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, they're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater OKC metro area since 2007 and doing a great job. You need some AC work done. Winter will be approaching. Won't be too long. Maybe you need some uh, work, you know, on the – on uh, the furnace, you know, heating and air, always you got to have that stuff ready to go to face another season. And uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems will do a tremendous job for you. You can call them up at 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Why don't we take a break right here to get started. Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby. We've got uh, Parker on the way covering Brent's press conference. Good to have you with us here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We'll be back. Guess what we're going to talk about? Yeah, steady diet of Sooner and college football on the way. Keep it here. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Rep Radio Network, Tuesday edition, and we'll get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a bit, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. So the Sooners and Kent State, 6 o'clock, coming up on uh, S-A-T-U-R, D-A-Y, night, Bay City Rollers back in the 70s. Yeah, uh, sorry. I'm really, really nerdy. All right, uh... Let's talk about what's going to be happening in Austin, Texas, baby. 11 a.m. coming up Saturday morning on Fox, Alabama at DKR, taking on the Texas Longhorns. Bama rolled over, hey, this is Utah State. And uh, its first game of the year in Texas took care of Louisiana Monroe to begin the mighty Quinn Ewers era. Maybe, probably not. But we'll see. Bama is a 20-point favorite in this game. And Alabama, the overwhelming pick to win the national championship this season. But uh, the Longhorns, maybe they can hang with the Crimson Tide. And if they can, get a few breaks going their way. Maybe Texas can make this a game. We'll see. Here is what Nick Saban said about headed to Aust- heading to Austin this weekend to take on the Longhorns. Really good opponent this week. 
Texas has, you know, Sark's done a really good job there, very good offensive coach. They've got a great system and scheme on offense. They've got some really good players on offense. You know, B. Robinson is an outstanding running back. Worthy is a great receiver. Um, Ewers is a very good quarterback, great arm, very talented guy. They've got seven starters back on defense, um, played much better last week on defense than you know, maybe some of the, the times last year when, you know, people scored points on them. So this is a, a very improved, you know, defensive team to me. They've got a lot of good players. They've got really good schemes, and it's going to be a very challenging game for us. There you go, a little coach speak from Nick Saban. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll find out, you know, what Quinn Ewers is all about. He had one bad pick last week. Texas pretty much rolled, though, against a really, really, really bad uh, Louisiana Monroe squad. But, again, uh, Sark and company, maybe if they get off to a good early start, that crowd really gets into the game. You know, again, um, would you automatically – I know a lot of people are just saying Alabama is going to go in there and crush Texas. Are you one of those people, Connor? Yeah, but I'm still I'm still waiting for it. If if Texas gets down 14 to nothing really quickly, I think Alabama is just going to roll away with that. But – I can somewhat see Texas hanging in for a half maybe and then keep hanging in the second half, but I really don't see it. I like what I saw from Alabama last week against Utah State, who's a group he's a group of five team, and they beat fifty five to nothing. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that Texas needs to be able to trade some punches early in this game because they, they, you know, Bama will probably hit them with a couple haymakers, but they can't be knocked out early in the game. So, again, Alabama is a 20-point favorite. This is a huge game for Steve Sarkeesian after 5-7 and seven a year ago, coming over from Nick Saban's staff. And, again, I, you know, so many times we think about a Texas coach, I thought Tom Herman was a pretty good hire. I didn't know he was as big a D-bag as he turned out to be. But that situation didn't work out. Steve Sarkeesian considered to be one of the brightest offensive minds in all of college football. But again, last year cannot be described other than a disaster. And we do, we, do know that, we do know the success that Nick Saban has against former assistant coaches, too. He does start- pretty well against everybody, yes. Uh, but Nick Saban, again, uh, talking up Texas a little bit. And there is some talent there. We don't know enough about Quinn Ewers. We know his high school reputation. We know the guy's got a nice bank account because of his NIL deals. But, again, uh, we saw very little, hardly anything from him. You know, Ohio State had a pretty good quarterback in C.J. Stroud. That was such a weird deal for him to skip his senior year and get all that NIL money and head to Columbus and now back in Austin. And I would say, I don't know, maybe a B, B- for Quinn Ewers in the opener last week against Louisiana Monroe. But they do have the best running back, wide receiver combination in the league and B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy. Uh, if he can get uh, those guys the ball and, again, you know, get that football to your playmakers, those two guys. But Bama's defense, they are outstanding. Will Anderson, that guy's an absolute He's a freak. Beast. I mean, he is an absolute monster. He's, he's already one of those guys that – one of those defensive guys that could maybe work his way to Heisman talk. We saw that. We're, we're already seeing things about that. But, man, Texas offensive linemen are going to have their hands full for sure Saturday. Yeah, and, and again, they've had injuries on the offensive line. They've had injuries at wide receiver. We'll see what uh, what the Longhorns are made of. I don't expect them to win if they keep it fairly close, you know, within a couple touchdowns. Maybe that's something for Texas to build on. Again, Alabama coming in a 20-point favorite. One thing Steve Sarkeesian said is that he doesn't want his players to get caught up in all the hype this week. 
you can get caught up in being worried about Alabama. You can get caught up in being worried about game day being here. You can get caught up in being worried about Fox being here. You can get caught up in all the stuff that really is irrelevant to our ability to play good football. So we need to be enamored with us, focused on us, uh, make sure that we're doing the things necessary to us to do our job really well. Um, I think our psyche's good. Um, you know, anytime you win, it always feels pretty good. But then we give them a dose of reality on Monday morning of the things that we need to improve upon. Um, you know, I, there's, I don't doubt our players want to play well on Saturday. Um, it's them understanding that to play well on Saturday, you need to have a really good Monday, then a really good Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so on and so forth. And I think they really understand it. There you go. Bryce Young was spectacular for Alabama last week. Again, it was Utah State. But you know what? That kid is a heck of a quarterback. Heisman Trophy winner, obviously, accounting for six touchdowns last week. He can also take off and run uh, for Alabama. So that Texas defense is going to be tested as well in this matchup. And like I said, last year, you can't say anything but disaster in all caps for Texas. You give up. You know, first of all, you go to Arkansas and you get beat by the Razorbacks. You go into the Cotton Bowl, you're out to this, you get this unbelievable start. First play from scrimmage, you know, touchdown. Xavier Worthy taking it to, to the house on the first play. Oklahoma's first possession, punt block, touchdown. I mean, the, you're 14 nothing within yes. two minutes. And you can't, again, Texas had all the momentum. That place was going crazy. I'm sure the Longhorn fans were thinking, finally, man, we're going to break through and we're, we're going to – you know, do what Oklahoma's done to us, you know, with 63-14 and 65-13 during the Bob Stoops era. But they couldn't finish the job. Spencer Rattler got pulled from the game. Caleb Williams came into the game, engineered the biggest comeback in the history of the Red River rivalry, and it was a great win for Oklahoma, a disaster for Texas. Then you have the uh, the pole assassin, G of the monkey, all that crazy stuff happening. Uh, And then you lose to Kansas at home in that fashion. It was a complete disaster. I mean – Texas should never go five and seven, ever. With all the resources they have there, Austin is a uh, is a is a really nice city. Uh, it's a good university. They've got tons gobs of money. Uh, yes, do they have a booster issue? No question. That's been an issue for Texas for a while. But to go five and seven in Texas, I mean, that's just that's especially pretty. producing top ten recruiting classes, oh, yeah. Mike, every single year. Well, player development has been lacking there. I think uh, just a good solid culture. Uh, has been lacking there for a long time, a long time. But we'll see what uh, Texas does against Bama coming up this Saturday. Uh, Looking around the country this week, you have uh, the Cowboys are playing Arizona State Saturday night, 630 on ESPN2. Nice game for Spencer Sanders right out of the box. The Cowboy defense obviously disappointed in the second half. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that group comes together with Derek Mason coordinating that side of the football now and Jim Knowles in Columbus. They obviously lost a lot of really good players and old veteran players who knew that system. Uh, so they're breaking in a lot of new guys, particularly at linebacker and in the secondary. The defensive line is still really stout, I think, for Oklahoma State. But I think the Cowboys will cover that 11. In fact, I made them my uh, lock of the week in the uh, Ref Royal Rumble. I know Arizona State won handily. I think it was Northern Arizona they blew out in the first game. But Mike Gundy's a good football coach, and uh, I think Oklahoma State's going to win this game fairly comfortably yeah, they'll have, Saturday night. He'll have them ready to go in Stillwater. And then 
Baylor at BYU. Yeah. The potential Big 12. I like Baylor, foes. man. I, BYU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They are, I know. In Provo. And, I, you know, Dave Aranda is a cyborg, half-human, half-robot. Most boring press conferences in the history of college football. I mean, they are brutal. But that man can coach up some football. And I do like Chapin quite a bit. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. Uh, you know, I know – you can look back and say he still hasn't played a lot, but and look, they played the Great Danes of Albany in their opening game and blew them out. So, you know that that's like playing, uh, you know, somebody that's not even Group of Five, like an NAI school. But um, I, I think Baylor has the coaching edge there. I think they're going the road and win that football game. So then, pr- prime time, Mike USC at please, Stanford. Please, Stanford, please, please. You know, Rice was moving the football on USC in that game. They were. The pick sixes just killed them. Three of them. Three pick sixes. And uh, completely, you know, I'm not saying Rice would have won the game, but they were hanging with SC. Well, wasn't the quarterback's fault either. Oh, my gosh, if you look at some of those throws right to the receiver's hands, you got to catch those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, that's the primetime game on ABC, USC at Stanford. SC's up to a nine-point favorite. Uh, South Carolina at Arkansas. Going to play some audio from uh, Spencer Rattler a little bit later. Sam Pittman's done a bang-up job at Arkansas, man. The Razorbacks, they're fired up. Jaden Hazelwood caught a touchdown pass against Cincinnati last week in the Hogs' win over the Bearcats there in Fayetteville. That's a rooster kickoff in Fayetteville this weekend. South Carolina uh, won against Georgia State in their opener. Uh, Spencer Rattler, though, threw two picks, and uh, he didn't seem like he was really that pleased with the offense, but we'll see. Uh, Tennessee going to play Pittsburgh. Now, the Panthers are ranked after their win over West Virginia in the backyard brawl, but it's Tennessee going to Pitt as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, 230 on ABC. Mark Stoops, just an amazing job in Kentucky. The job he's done there has been as good as any coaching job in college football. Uh, it's not easy to win and go to big bowl games at Kentucky, but Mark Stoops has been able to pull that off. Just amazing. They're in the swamp this weekend. Florida, of course, behind Anthony Richardson, beat uh, Utah in comeback fashion last week, but Kentucky going to the swamp for a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. Uh, anything else in the Big 12? Missouri and Kansas State renew a, an old rivalry there. Uh, that's in Manhattan. That's a rooster on ESPN2. Houston goes to Lubbock. Dana Holgerson and the Cougars are 24th ranked. They'll go play uh, Joey McGuire and the Red Raiders 3 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. You've got Iowa State at Iowa. Iowa, <laughs> two safeties and a field goal to win last week. Can't, can't, draw, can't draw it up any better. No. 7-3 with that. Kansas and West Virginia. West Virginia's a 13-point pick. You know who's doing a really good job? Lance Leipold at Kansas. Uh, it would be something if they win there uh, in Morgantown. They, they look good week one. I mean, it's, they did. Ten, it's he's, Tennessee he's, Tech, but he's still. Do, he's doing a nice job. He's doing a nice job at KU. He's no Mark Mangino, but he's done a nice job. Tarleton State at TCU. Chandler Morris will not play this week. Tweaked his knee last week in TCU's win over Colorado. Should be back after this week. And then, uh, of course, the late game, 9-15. You talk about a late kick, some late-night, good Saturday night football. 10th-ranked Baylor at 25th-ranked BYU. Should be a good one. All right, Parker has arrived. He's back from Brent's presser. We'll take a quick break right here. Nice job by uh, Connor Pasby coming out in uh, in relief for us. Not bad at all. It is a Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network will get Parker's impressions on Brent's presser and talk a little recruiting 
when we get back here on The Ref. He's back. He's Parker Thune. Young media prodigy. He's been doing it since he was like nine years old, I think. That's what I heard anyway. Wasn't too long after that. So what did you think of Brent's presser? Anything stand out? Standard uh, kind of press conference? It was probably the longest head coach press conference I've ever been to. Really? Because Brent showed up late, and I think he kind of felt bad for showing up late. So at a certain point, it was about noon, and Mike Houck turned to Brent, and he was like, you got time for more questions? Can you take more questions? And Brent, he hesitated for me. He was like, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll take them all. Is, so, is Brent all right? He was coughing a lot. He seemed to have a little bit of a cough. He did kind of have a coughing fit at the beginning there. But uh, I don't. Know. he did say Daniel Parker was out with the sniffles this past Saturday, but that he'd be back this week. So maybe he caught something from Daniel Parker. I don't Could know. be. Now, if you're Daniel Parker, though, and I'm sure he loves Brent because that entire locker room seems to love Brent Venables and they're completely bought in, it looks like. But, you know, it doesn't sound good if you're out with the sniffles, though, does it? I mean, it makes you sound like you're playing for Muleshoe a little bit. Okay, sure, but Daniel Parker is also one of the strongest players right. on the entire yeah. like one of the most physically impressive players That's all on I'm the saying. entire roster. I, I don't think Brent he's feeling too just, insecure yeah, about it. I would just say that Brent should have just said, yeah, Daniel Parker just was, was sick or ill. But if it's the sniffles sounds like, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just being stupid. All right, speaking of Daniel Parker, he's going to be back this week for Kent State. And based on what I heard, you were there, Parker. Um, it sounds like Wanya Morris – We'll be back for Nebraska, and when he's back, Wanya Morris is going to be back in the starting lineup. Yeah, I didn't you get that? Yeah, is that, that what you is got kind from of what his Brent comment? Insinuated, but you know that's kind of what you have to say. Yeah, right. Regarding the starting lineup end of things, I think there's a very good chance that when Wanya Morris returns to the team, he doesn't just have the starting job handed to him. I think a lot depends on the play of Tyler Guyton. Yeah, this. I mean this. Look, yeah, if Tyler Guyton goes out and has an unbelievable game and grades out as about as good as you can, and that could change, certainly. I feel as though if we see Guyton play really well on Saturday against Kent State, they may roll with him against Nebraska to start at left tackle simply because if there's one thing you want to have on your offensive line, some continuity, one thing that lends itself to dominant play, it is continuity, yeah. right? And so at what point. Do you just let it ride until Tyler Guyton proves that he can't handle that responsibility? So I'm not necessarily saying that that's where things will be with that offensive line room a week and a half from now when they're getting ready for Nebraska. But if Tyler Guyton outperforms Wanya Morris on the practice field in the week leading up to that football game, and he's already seen game action twice, as opposed to Wanya Morris, who still has not made a start in an Oklahoma Sooners uniform, it may be a little bit stickier than a lot of folks anticipate because it's easy to look at Wanya Morris's background, his resume, former five-star prospect, started as a true freshman at Tennessee, started for two full seasons there in a multiplicity of positions. And it's, it's all too easy to figure, okay, well, once he is back, he's 
obviously going to be the clear starter at that position. But that's kind of the same assumption we all made a year ago regarding Wanya Morris. And yeah. the confidence in him was so low that Bill Biedenboe uprooted Tyrese Robinson from his position at guard and moved him out to right tackle rather than playing Wanya Morris. Yeah, so again, I think a lot does depend certainly on uh, Tyler Guyton has a really good game again against Kent State coming up Saturday night, and it might be pretty difficult to say, yeah, Wanya jump, jump in against Nebraska. Um, okay. Brent didn't really want to talk about schedules or the uh, college football playoff, did he? I, I kind of loved – he was like, what does that have to do with practice pretty much? I know. It was, it was kind of Belichickian, <laughs> I wasn't love, it? Oh, uh, Did he say we're just focusing on Cincinnati? <laughs> we're on to Kent State. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, anything else stand out? I caught he about kinda, half of it, maybe close to half of it. He kind of – I couldn't – I couldn't really tell where he was going with the comparison, but he mentioned Javante Barnes and Gavin Freeman in the same sentence and then drew a parallel to Adrian Peterson. Really? So I couldn't tell whether he was comparing Javante Barnes to Adrian Peterson or Gavin Freeman to Adrian Peterson. And he was like, don't make more of this than you absolutely need to. This is not a perfect comparison. But uh, he, I couldn't tell whether he was trying to draw the parallel between Barnes and Peterson or Freeman and Peterson, but... He drew something of a loose parallel. Um, now, Mark Desher told me that, oh, you photo guy, you know, Mr. Unbelievable Photog, you know, puts the magazines together, Boyd Street, uh, all of that stuff, does a great job. He told me that you led him in with a question that got him talking about uh, offenses and ice cream flavors or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. This is actually what I was going to hit next. Okay. Uh, Andy Staples of The Athletic was there for this press conference, and he asked Brent a question about basically how he envisioned his team's offensive identity whenever he became a head coach. And Brent, it was a very long-winded answer, which is usually what you get from Brent when you ask a real in-depth question like that. And at the end of it all, Brent is comparing the different styles of offense to different ice cream flavors. And he's like, look, it's all offense. It's all ice cream. But we all have different flavors across the board when you look at the way that collegiate offenses are run. And the Sooners are operating with Jeff Lebby's flavor of offense. And you know, Brent's a defensive guy, so he's not going to try to offer too much, and he's very willing to admit that Hey, look, I'm a linebacker's coach. I'm a defensive guy. Um, he's never afraid to say, I I defer to my staff on this. That's why they're there. But, yeah, the offense to ice cream analogy was no doubt an interesting one. There you go. All right, so the Sooners, a big favorite, 32-and-a-half against Kent State coming up this weekend, and our pregame show begins at noon. Are we still? Are you still in line to have Jackson Arnold with you Saturday? That is the plan. And uh, Caden Green said he'd probably drop by as well. So why don't you just get party. Peyton Bowen to flip on the air with you? I, noon Travis, Saturday. Travis Davidson and I were joking about that possibility last Saturday out at Campus Corner. We we're like, oh, we'll just flip him live on air. Why not? It's going to happen, right? The flip is coming. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think you know better than I do, but I just feel like the flip is coming. And it uh, would you? think that there would be a Peyton Bowen flip even if it's a silent commitment to Oklahoma what are the percentage chances that happens before Jordan Renaud 
announces for Oklahoma September 19th. See, that's the thing. And I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this yesterday with Tyler. It kind of feels like it's now or never for Peyton Bowen. And if he's going to flip, it's got to happen soon. So, if he does flip to Oklahoma, I think it does happen within the next couple of weeks. Now, why wouldn't he? Here's the deal, Parker. His girlfriend's at OU. Yes, girlfriends are undefeated. His best friend is at OU. He's coming to OU, right? And Jackson Arnold. They're close. And, I mean, everything lines up. Uh, Oklahoma's getting a lot of good, solid defensive commitments. All you have to look, uh, you know, as, as to where the Sooners are in the national rankings in the top five and the chance to keep moving on up. And I, it, certainly every indication is the Sooners are not stopping at number five. They're moving on up like the Jeffersons. So I, I, what's the holdup? I, we, we can get into the weeds on I, – I, here's the thing. I don't really want to get into the weeds on this whole conversation because there are a lot of factors at play. But suffice it to say, and this is something that we've talked about before, Oklahoma would love to have Peyton Bowen, but their situation at safety in this class is not going to ride or die with Peyton Bowen. If Peyton Bowen wants to flip to Oklahoma, great. If not, they got two, three other guys lined up that they'll go pursue and will probably get committed very expediently. So, Again, it comes down to how long you want to play this back-and-forth game mm, yeah. with Peyton Bowen and his family, how long you are content to play this game. And I think, in his heart of hearts, Peyton Bowen wants to be a Sooner. I do. But I also think there are more folks' interests that he has to be mindful of in all of this than his own. Two letters. And that's what A and M, Aggie money. I didn't say that. But since you did, yes, that's on the table. Yeah. Uh, so I think as we look at the next couple of weeks, I actually think there's a real decent chance Bowen is flipped before Renaud announces on the 19th. If you ask me to put money down, I would say Renaud is still the next commit for Oklahoma just because I've seen the timeline get kicked back so right. many times for Bowen at this point that you kind of got to see it to believe it. Well, Peyton I Bowen just, will be here this weekend. Yeah, Jackson just, Arnold's going to be with you on the pregame show. I just can't imagine it gets beyond September. If we get to the month of October and Peyton Bowen is still in all technicality committed to Notre Dame, I think Oklahoma probably just cuts their losses. The and longer moves on. this drags out, it's less likely that Peyton Bowen will end up in Oklahoma's class, is yeah, what you're saying. That's what it much. feels like. Okay, break time right here. Parker's back with us, Steelman and Thune at noon. And uh, good to have you with us on a Tuesday. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Call them up. AC work. You need that done. 405 579 3113. That's 405 579 3113. You're with the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we are back. Good to have you with us. Riverwind Casino, always great promotions, great opportunities for you to go out there and win. You'll eat well. If you go to the hotel, you'll sleep well. You can always see the game out there, too. And uh, if you're coming into Norman uh, from, uh, you know, Texas, Dallas, whatever, somewhere way outside of the uh, the Norman area, 
the Riverwind Hotel is big time, and uh, you know you've got great dining opportunities over there with the uh, River Buffet. Friday night is steak night. Saturday night is uh, seafood night. Great brunch on Sunday. A lot of great comfort food uh, the rest of the week, and uh, great options for you there. Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. Really cozy little restaurant, not super expensive, but really, really good. And you can see the games there. The Coop Ale House Bar right in the middle is a great uh, destination as well. So Riverwind Casino. Also, if you are uh, somebody who maybe has gone by Riverwind or if you've gone to Riverwind and you haven't played, but you're thinking about it, they've got a great program for new members, the new member seven. Uh, Sign up. Get your wild card play. Get rewarded up to $450 in one day. Again, you have a chance to earn up to $450 in one day by getting your brand-new Riverwind wild card and taking part in the new Member 7 promotion at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. All right, you want to get uh, to the text line real quick? Sure, let's go right ahead. One listener says, is Peyton Bowen's girlfriend an athlete? Yes. Soccer commit in the – soccer commit or soccer enrollee? I can't remember. She's – on campus officially and enrolled as of this fall or if she has another year like Peyton I can't recall offhand I'll need to fact check that but yes she is a she will be a member of the Oklahoma soccer team um didn't Ryan Yates just come out and say he's locked in with LSU yes I don't know if I buy that I don't know why you would buy that if you followed Yates' recruitment over the last few months. And look, it's going to be Oklahoma or LSU. Here's what I know. Much like Peyton Bowen, the Sooners are not going to wait forever on Ryan Yates. And they will wait longer for Peyton Bowen than they will for Ryan Yates. So, if Oklahoma decides to make a move on somebody like Steely's favorite player, Conrad Hussey, then Ryan Yates probably has no choice but to stick with LSU. But I don't think this recruitment is over, right? Was this was Peyton Bowen's recruitment over back in May when he said, I'm locked in with Notre Dame, and he'd already taken like four unofficial visits that spring to Oklahoma? No, absolutely not. So you have to take this all with a grain of salt and follow the visits. Now, Pay attention to where these guys are visiting. And if Bowen uh, flips, say, this weekend, and maybe he just tells the OU coaches, hey, I'm coming. Uh, how much does that affect Ryan Yates? How much do does he want to play uh, maybe with his teammate there from Denton Geyer? I mean, obviously they're committed to different schools, but could that be a factor that could sway Yates Oklahoma's way if Bowen flips? Or is it not related at all? No, it's, it, it is related, but here's, here's what I will say. And I've kind of changed my tune on this over the last couple of weeks because – as recently as a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, I think it more likely that Oklahoma flips Ryan Yates than Peyton Bowen. At this point, I kind of get the sense the Sooners are more likely to flip Peyton Bowen than Ryan Yates. That's where things appear to be trending at the moment. Interesting. All right, off the text line, what is the latest on uh, Jordan Renaud? You still expecting Oklahoma? I am still expecting Oklahoma, and I know the Sooners are bringing out the big guns this weekend to try and close on him. So uh, my expectation – look, it's it's like the Macari Vickers recruitment, right? We've known for a long time that Jordan Renaud was going to announce on September 19th, and we've known for a long time that his only visit before then was going to be to Oklahoma on September 10th. So you read between the lines here. 
It's not difficult to figure who's in the driver's seat for Renaud right now. Uh, somebody said, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? You can't go wrong with a good Animal House reference. Is they Texas, still work. Is Texas A&M the Germans? Are we are we calling the Ags Nazis here? Mm, uh, well, they're they're different, that's for sure. One listener says, "Why is Wanye not playing?" Be specific. I'm not going to get overly specific here because this is not my modus operandi, as it were. He is suspended. He did not play this past Saturday, obviously, and the expectation right now is that he will not play this Saturday either. The expectation is that he will rejoin the team, and he is practicing with the team right now, but that he will rejoin the team for the Nebraska game on Saturday, September 17th. There you go. All right. Uh, got to get out of here for the first hour. We've got a lot more texts on the way, so be patient. If we haven't gotten to yours yet, we will. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And again, a uh, lot of Sooner football to talk about. Baker and uh, Carolina hosting Cleveland this weekend. Matt Rule. We'll talk about that next hour. And uh, Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, was was not taking the bait. So we'll have some of that audio. Talk a little more Texas Bama and a ton of Sooner football here on the home of Sooner fans. The ref. Yes, yes, yes. Here we are on a Tuesday. Welcome in, everybody. And uh, thank you to our second-hour sponsor, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, America. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Great use selection as well. They're finding the best used vehicles out there for you. And they've got that incredible guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. You know, if... Back in my uh, formative years, when I was uh, first, you know, learning about cars and stuff, um, I could have used that kind of guarantee because I was uh, I was a serial engine killer is what I was. I basically was the Ted Bundy of uh, the guy who came after engines and got rid of them because of my own stupidity. I'm the guy who said at one point, I thought the oil just stayed in there. When the automotive guy looked at me and thought, this is the biggest moron I've ever encountered in my life. Because he told me, quotes, there's not a drop of oil in it. It's bone dry. And I responded, I thought the oil just stayed in there. Learned uh, a very hard lesson that the oil doesn't just stay in there. How old were you at that time? I will not say okay. my age. I, I'll i plead the fifth right there. But uh, it was not a good situation. So that's the kind of guarantee that I needed back in the day from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Would have been coming very handy at the time, no doubt. How about Clemson last night? Uh, how long before uh, Cade Klubnick becomes the starting quarterback there? Oh, my there? gosh. It can't be long, Steely. It can't be long. If Dabo's if Dabo Sweeney is serious about winning, if he is serious about competing for an ACC championship and a college football playoff berth in 2022, that switch has to be made because it is not difficult for anybody to see. 
as far as the he talent came in discrepancy. with what like five and a half minutes and threw a touchdown pass. Cade Klubnick, he's moved super the mobile. Ball. He's super mobile too. And you can argue it was garbage time. Yeah, but Cade Klubnick moved the ball more effortlessly, and ten times as effortlessly than DJ Uyunglele had all night. It is a damning indictment on DJ Uyunglele and the Clemson offense in general that that game was as close as it was for as long as it was. If you put Cade Klubnick in, if he starts that game, if you put him in beginning with the first drive, that game might be over by halftime. It's not a difficult decision. D, uh, DJ, again, Dabo, again, is trying to uh, make sure he gives him another crack at it, I think, right? So we'll see. But Klubnik, highly recruited. He was a five-star, wasn't he? Klubnik, yes. He yeah. was the number one overall quarterback and, in last year's class. And he was – You see why. Yeah, and he is a guy that's got good mobility. I mean, he's, he's a dual-threat guy, got a great arm, looked really good, and we'll see. But, yeah, um, that, that was a game too long last night uh, for Clemson. But they end up winning and winning convincingly in the second half. But um, – they, they still have some offensive issues. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and we'll see if Klubnik eventually takes over. All right, let's go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. What is this deal with the LSU receivers and Instagram? Do you know anything about that? I don't understand it, Steely, and I'm not reading into it. I just – like, if your first order of business after a loss is to go and scrub your social media – Mm-hmm. For what, for any reason, I don't care what the reason is. If you scrub your social media after a loss, you are not mentally prepared to play big-time college football. You are not. Because the noise has gotten to you, regardless of where that noise is coming from. Remember the Kyler, Metis, Kyler Murray scrubbing was a big deal for about two weeks, right? Yes. That got way out of control. And that was Kyler's way of expressing that he was pissed with management Mm -hmm. and I don't know what the situation is with the LSU wide receivers I don't know why they did what they did all I know is in no way is that good optically no it doesn't look good at all you're right all it does is create controversy and has people talking about it uh crazy I can only imagine what it's like in Baton Rouge but I was very happy to see LSU fall and lose that game in the manner that uh they did that was awesome Another So a listener from the 918 asks, will the 23 class be ranked above Texas when the Red River game is here? How sweet it would be. I will go on record. I suppose I don't need to because I'm on record for three hours a day. I will go on record nonetheless. Yes, Oklahoma's class will be ranked higher than Texas's by October 8th. There you go. And uh, Texas is going to have a top five class, right? And it, it kind of depends on whether Cedric Baxter sticks or not, mm-hmm. because that's but no lower than like seven. No, or so. no, yeah. no, it won't get. I don't think it'll get. Well, that I mean, they've low, got but. the greatest high school quarterback of all time in this class, Arch Manning. He's playing against Pop Warner teams every weekend, but he's still the greatest just, quarterback in, in the history of high school football. I'm not. Right? Gonna, I'm not going to let myself go there. Uh, another 918 listener says, "I watched the game on TV this past Saturday, but noticed something significantly different." The sounds of the pads cracking was noticeable in a way I haven't heard in a long time. Constantly aware of it throughout the game. Those guys were hitting. Did you notice this as well? You were down there. Did you hear it? 
I mean, I hate to throw a bucket on the campfire, but not, not more so than usual. I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective. But, but there's no doubt the tackling was better, though. The tackling was yeah, better. And uh, there were more suitors around the football, uh, swarming defense. There was a lot to like. Again, was it perfect? No. Are they going to get better? Yes. Um, I, I just like how clean the game was. It wasn't perfect. Too many penalties on the offensive line. The O-line has to play better. There's no doubt about that. But there was a lot to like. And it looked like a well-coached football team. Was Steely over or under 16 when his oil – Ran bone dry. Over. I am, uh, again, going to plead the fifth. The answer's over. Um, Bobby from Austin says, Great to meet Parker, T-Row, and Teddy this weekend. Got a nice sunburn to remember it by. I thought I thought for sure I was sunburned leaving that game Saturday. Somehow I wasn't. Did you uh, apply any sunscreen? No, I didn't. Are you not a sunscreen guy, or is it just too greasy? I mean, you have to apply it a bunch and all that stuff. Yeah, I Sunscreen just, is difficult. I'll put on sunscreen if I know that not putting on sunscreen will result in me getting burned. I intended to put on sunscreen Saturday, but then realized as I was driving over to the stadium that I left the house without mm. it. I was like, okay, well, I guess we're taking the L and getting sunburned today. Have you ever had the Red Lobster tan? No, I've never, I've never entered Red Lobster horrible. territory. That is horrible. Uh, mean, super painful. Bobby continues, best thing I saw this week, relentless swarming to the football by our defense. We're heads up, ready to attack, and not satisfied on the field, which I love. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I You know, I'm, I'm bought in. I like this culture. I like. You know, this uh, notion that, well, you can only play one side of the football at a really high level. That's, you know, that's BS. And, uh, you know, Alex Grinch, they got a little bit better in certain areas. But uh, the defensive um, effort from Oklahoma for a while has been embarrassing at times. I mean, totally embarrassing at times for a school like Oklahoma. There's no excuse why Oklahoma can't play great offense and great defense. Happens at Alabama. I mean, Georgia is doing it uh, with uh, Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Now, it was mainly defense last year, but you know, they're running the football and he's He's a good leader out there, but I definitely think that it's time for Oklahoma to start playing great defense again. It's a different era of college football. I get that. You're not, it's not going to be like the, uh, you know, Bosworth, Casillas, uh, you know, Daryl Reed, Kevin Murphy, Troy Johnson, Ricky Dixon, Paul Miliazzo, 85 defense, or back to the 70s with the Selmans and Rod Schott and all those great players. You're not going to completely shut people. People spread the field now. You have to defend more plays. You have to defend more real estate. It's more difficult to play. Really, really great defense, but you're Oklahoma. You should be able to do it. So, uh, hey guys, has anyone talked about the offensive tackles being substituted in and out play after play? What was that all about? Also, how about the blasting uh, tackle that Danny Stutzman had? I believe it was UTEP's running back. I didn't. Were there offensive tackles being substituted in and out? Because I didn't notice that. Now, McCade Mattire did get pulled from the game in favor of Robert Conjol at one point, but that was at left guard. And perhaps it was just because I'm at field level and I don't notice things down there the way I do when I'm up in the press box, but 
I didn't see tackles being substituted. Did you, Steely? Was that something you noticed? No, n- not like on uh, a single series. Maybe later in the game, you know, they got some guys in there, but I, I didn't see it either. From the 9180s, Kent State's supposed to be slightly better than UTEP. Well, Kent State's favorite to win their vis- division in the MAC, right? Uh, they got hammered pretty good by Washington in the opener. But Oklahoma is a little bit bigger favorite against Kent State than they were against UTEP. And UTEP went to a bowl game uh, last year. I think it was the New Mexico Bowl that they went to. So I would say, what do you think? Bet on the same level? I did, you know, I did think the, the quarterback for UTEP, the Hardison kid, was, was not a bad player. No, he was good. Yeah. And he did, the, he did all he could behind that offensive line. The offensive line play uh, was – it was going to be a struggle for UTEP, and it proved to be a struggle for UTEP, and there was no bigger beneficiary of that than Reggie Grimes. Uh, another listener says, Guyton got hurt for a few plays, and they subbed another guy in. Yeah, I must have just not – well, no, no, I do remember that now. I do remember – Ah, okay, there you go. It was Aaron Parks that came in for a couple of yeah. plays in lieu of Tyler Guyton. 580 said the same thing. The tackle was subbed for two plays when a helmet came off. Okay, helmet came off. That's, so that's what it would have been. Um, Jay from Medill says, don't feel bad, Steely. I ran one dry at 20 years old. What makes this bad is I was going to the parts store to buy oil to change oil in our farm's tractors. Yeah. Well, sometimes, I don't know, man, if you're on a limited budget and you're thinking, man, I can't afford this oil change right now, maybe you push it, push it, push it, and you pay the price. But I was just an idiot. Ironically, my dad was in the National Guard and also was a mechanic uh, in the National Guard where he fixed vehicles, so he knew all that stuff. And But he tried to get me, my dad was the best dad ever, he tried to get me, you know, to learn ratchets and wrenches and all that stuff, and I had no aptitude for it. And I was always wanting to watch a game, and he finally gave up. Said, this this kid's not going to – he doesn't like this. He's not going to do it. And that allowed me to become a regional radio star, ladies and gentlemen. But it also played a big role in me killing two engines, one for lack of oil. So there you go. All right, we'll break right here. we got a ton of text rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, a little more recruiting stuff to get into. And uh, who do you want to see play, Jaden Gibson, for the Sooners this week that you didn't see enough of last week? Be right back. Hi, yes, we are back. It is a Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network, how's your Tuesday going so far? Hope it's going well. Hitting the Air Coverage Solutions text line here in just a second, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. I was thinking about, during the break, brought a smile to my face, but uh, one other incident I had when my dad was trying to teach me how to work on stuff, he asked me to go out and get him an Allen wrench out of the garage. And you didn't know what an Allen wrench go was? Go grab me an Allen wrench, will you? And I came back and said, Dad, I couldn't find one that said Allen on it, but here's a craftsman right here. And again, he, my dad looked at me like, he's not going to get this ever. But I thought it would be a wrench that had like the Allen brand on it. I didn't know what an Allen wrench was. So again, that's why I didn't pursue a career in automotive repair. Because I would have been out of business very quickly. All right, uh, Jaden Gibson didn't get to play last week. He did not. Anybody else that, besides General Booty, obviously we want to see General Booty in every game. 
But anybody else that you would have liked to have seen get out there last week? I thought it was interesting that uh, Venables mentioned earlier today Gavin Sawchuk was a healthy scratch. He said he could have played, but they just didn't have him suit up. Uh, I don't I don't imagine there's any particular reason for that, just other than the fact that they had so much depth and you can only suit out so many guys. Jaden Rowe was another guy that didn't suit up, but we didn't see Jaden Gibson. We didn't see Nick Anderson. We didn't see Robert Spears Jennings. And I figured if we were going to see some true freshmen, those three would be at the top of the list among uh, guys that did earn some run Saturday against UTEP. But again, I and I think I think it was Tyler that I talked about uh, I talked about this yesterday with. I bet Venables and Lebby hold Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson out against Kent State too. Because those are two guys that you're going to want to use down the line. And you're not going to need to use them to beat Kent State. But can you imagine going up to Nebraska on September 17th and all of a sudden Scott Frost and that coaching staff who are already in over their heads and probably halfway checked out because they know what's in the water at this point. Can you imagine them... You drive the ball down to the 15-yard line on that Nebraska defense, and then all of a sudden, these two enormous 6'4", 6'5", freshman wideouts who they have no tape on and have not scouted for trot onto the field, and you just cherry-pick those goal line fades so all wait day a long. Somebody's saying that uh, Gibson got in for one series. He was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, several people say, are saying he was yeah, in I, for the last series. I did not I did not catch that. I didn't either. Not questioning um, those folks. No, they're if probably right. If, if we have multiple there, but, people saying it, I don't question that it's true, but I, I must have missed that. Yeah, same here. Uh, maybe at mop-up time. But, yeah, because I think uh, you've been hearing nothing but good things about Gibson. We saw him catch the long touchdown pass in the spring game. It was Micah Bowen's pass, wasn't it? In the spring game to Gibson? Yes, Micah Bowens to Jaden Gibson. And uh, I've been hearing in, you know, a lot of the goal line stuff that he's been very difficult to defend. Uh, imagine that. And Nick <laughs> Anderson's the same kind of guy, as you mentioned. He's he's a kid with a lot of size and a lot of ability. He was in on the Bevel series. Okay. Our apologies. Um, so, anyway, I, I would love to see him, you know, get, get more involved. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I just like the Sooners having some sizable receivers who can create matchup issues. I thought the best player on the field uh, Saturday was Brandon Willis for Oklahoma. What did you think? Braden? Braden Br- Willis. Braden Willis, yeah, I'm sorry. He had a great I, game, man. I, th- I thought all around he probably had the best performance. It's probably between him and Eric Gray. The best play of the day belonged to Gavin Freeman. Yeah, no doubt that about is, that. Yeah, no doubt. No, no question. But – yeah, I was impressed with old weight room Willie, and he's due for a breakout year now that he's the guy at tight end for OU. He took a big, big step towards having the year that I and so many others expect him to have in 2022 with that performance on Saturday. And I've said it before, I think that's a guy that can catch double-digit touchdown passes, just because of, especially because of the receiving weapons that the Sooners have on the outside. Right. Guys like Mims, Farouk, and Weiss, guys that are going to demand attention from defenses, that's going to leave a lot of room for Braden Willis to operate. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. One of the texters uh, said, Gabe is concerned about the O-line play pass protection. Thoughts? I, I'm, they've, look, got to, they've got to play better. There's no it, doubt. There, there are a lot of concerns 
about this team because, and that's going to sound at face value. That's going to sound odd to some people. You're gonna be like, well, they just won a game 45 to 13. You guys are talking them up as if they'll win a big 12 championship this year. Yeah, that's still all true. But I think there are a lot of very valid concerns right now. And the concerns more than anything, aren't, aren't whether the season is going to fall apart for Oklahoma. It's, they more revolve around how good is this team in actuality because we don't have a reliable gauge on how good they are after they played UTEP. We saw some good things. We saw some not-so-good things. What I worry about is that the Sooners aren't really going to face a true litmus test until probably at least September 24th when Kansas State comes to town. Yeah, I'm with Kent you. State is not a good football team, at least not in comparison to Oklahoma. They're not a good football team. Nebraska is a bad football team. Straight up. So, the Sooners should win their next two games with relative ease. And I think there are two sides to that coin. Right, you can look at the you can look at what the team will have done to that point and say, "Okay, 3 and 0, that's great. It's an awesome way to start out the Brent Venables era. You go undefeated in non-conference play, get a road win over an old rival, and that's that." But you can also look at it and say, "Okay, they're 3 and 0, but we still have no idea what type of team they really are and who they're capable of going up against." And that's entirely fair. So, yes, you can point to a lot of areas right now for this football team and raise very valid concerns, and I can't really push back against those concerns because again, I don't feel like anybody has a reliable indication of just how good Oklahoma is going to be this year yet. So, those concerns are going to be on the table for at least another two or three weeks. And the one thing you can look at, though, uh, and, and look, it's going to be a lot different trying to tackle Bijan Robinson than the uh, running back for UTEP. But you can also see what looks to be better tackling, what looks to be more physical football, what looks to be a more swarming defense. Uh, again, that didn't give up really any big plays of any, uh, you know, real – I think, what was it, like 15 yards or something like that. Uh, they shut down the run. And, again, it is all UTEP. But there are some things that look pretty good to me. And, again, that was the tackling and that was the swarming on defense. So, But, yeah, I think the O-line does have to play better. There's no doubt about that. Okay. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Bobby from Austin says, as Josh Pate always says, week one is for observations, not conclusions. That's a great way to yeah, put it. True that. No doubt. That's why Pate's the best. Um, another listener says, I think they are sandbagging. Willis said in his podcast they were extremely vanilla and they ran the same running play over 20 times. Yeah, they were obviously sandbagging. That's what you do against UTEP. That's what you do against Kent State. You sandbag. You hold back. You keep things as basic on offense and as basic on defense as possible because it minimizes the opportunity for your team to make mistakes and it minimizes the intricacies that you show on tape for more formidable opponents down the road. So Kansas State, when they come to town on September 24th, you can throw some things at them that they haven't seen on film. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Jesse G, tell me you guys saw this already. Oh, is somebody uh, decommitting for Mule Shoe? No, oh, it's no, uh, no, no, this okay. this couple. One of them is oh, wearing the yeah, Joshua yeah, Eaton yeah. jersey, and one of them is wearing the General <laughs> Booney jersey. Well I done. did see that over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> Brian in Tulsa says, speaking of Nebraska, I don't know if this has been talked about yet, but anything on Coleman. 
Yeah, we'll dive into that on Locked In a bit later. I I continue to feel very, very good about Oklahoma's status in that recruitment. The more that Nebraska implodes also, the more the chances uh, that the Sooners get Malachi Coleman go way up, obviously. Another listener says, I love what Brent Venables said on the Brent Venables show. He said, if we got a scratch, we know where to itch. Sounds like a country song to me. It really does. I, I I don't know where Brent Venables comes up with all these Hobby Lobby phrases, but he's just got an endless library of them, man. <laughs> Any chance we'll see a flash of booty against Kent State? They keep coming in. They keep coming in. I would say you will – General Booty – will make his debut. There will be a flash of booty against the Golden Flashes this Saturday night. Yes. No doubt. So you're you're making the call. There's there's a booty call on tap for Saturday night. Which uh which you know, cheer do you want to see more? Do you want from one side of the stadium to the other General Booty or Peyton? Bowen, why not? One? Why not both? Yeah, why not? One at halftime, one in the fourth quarter. I mean, Peyton Bowen would love that, right? Somebody instruct the cheerleaders to put the signs together, Peyton, and then Bowen. I think that would probably constitute a, a recruiting violation. I don't know if well, you could there's have no payment there, right? I mean, what's the violation? I don't know if you could have the cheerleaders orchestrate that. All but right, the fans well, can do whatever they want. Have scissor hands or. Mr. OU, somebody do that. The students aren't going to do it. They might not even show up. You never know. Be there for like three minutes and leave. But uh, that needs to happen. I mean, you want to get Peyton Bowen, you got to go the extra mile, right? Clearly. You got to beat the A&M Bagmen. That's what you have to do. All right, uh, let's take a break right here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great deals on car, trucks, or SUVs. And the great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life, newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. I'm Neil Peart is drumming in rock and roll heaven right now alongside Keith Moon and John Bonham. We'll be right back here on The Ref. Back with you. Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Headed to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a minute. Again, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right, Alabama, a 20-point favorite in Austin. Saturday, rooster kickoff on Fox. How I think Joey Galloway is, uh, well, he's he's, – He's not the best. Fine receiver at Ohio State and in the NFL, but uh, his his predictions and some of his thoughts are not well thought out because he thinks the line might climb to 30 by the end of the week, and lines usually don't climb that far. That's like King Kong climbing the Empire State Building that quickly. I don't know. But it's a 20 right now. Number one, Alabama rolled Utah State. In its opener, Texas took care of Louisiana Monroe. So it's a big opportunity for Sark and company. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian said yesterday that Kansas, uh, the Kansas game obviously was an embarrassment. They want to be a lot better at home. And he also said that his Longhorns can't be in awe of Alabama come Saturday. It's like anything. You know, anytime you're on top, 
you know, I think teams can sometimes be enamored with the opponent, you know, whoever they are. I remember our days at USC in the 2000s, we felt that a lot. Um, I'm sure we felt it here at Texas in the 2000s. Anytime Vince walked on the field, they probably felt that way. And, you know, I think what Alabama's been able to do, it can, it can get that way. I think, the, you know, the best approach is to focus on what you need to do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have 11, we're going to have 11, the ball's going to get snapped. You know, and the ball's probably going to get snapped upwards to 200 times. And how many times can we be right out of those upwards to 200s um, uh, and have the right mental intensity, you know, not just on Saturday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, so that we've got good focus um, and that we can go perform. Going to be very interesting because, well, number one, I do think Alabama is going to win and win pretty convincingly. But Bama doesn't do this a lot. If I think I'm right that – and Bama's played a bunch of those games in Atlanta or, you know, at Jerry World, uh, in Orlando. They played uh, Louisville back about four years ago, I think it was, four or five years ago. But they don't play non-conference road games. Nick Saban has had two, I believe, two non-conference road games. I believe it still holds. Uh, they played at Duke in 2010 – And then they played in uh, Happy Valley against Penn State in 2011. Again, they play in a lot of the uh, the neutral side games, kickoff classic, all of that stuff. But um, Texas, you think it'll be over early? I know you've been waiting to see this Bama beatdown of Texas. And you feel very confident that Bama will easily cover the 20? Does anyone not feel very confident that Bama will easily cover the 20? I'm thinking when I say easily, like Bama covers by five touchdowns. Instead of 20, they win by 34 35. Well, here's the thing it could just as easily be a 40 point game as it could be a 21 point game because maybe Texas strings together a few scoring possessions in garbage time when all of Bama's mm-hmm. second teamers yeah. are in there. But I don't believe that the outcome of this game is ever going to be in doubt 10, 15 minutes in and thereafter. It will become very clear very quickly, who is the superior football team? So you think Bama will take Texas's soul pretty early in the game? Yes. Yes, that's accurate. So the Longhorns would come to the Cotton Bowl. I'm trying to think who else Texas has before Oklahoma. Let me go ahead and Google it up. But um, last year was Arkansas, of course, that uh, – Remember uh, Texas beat Louisiana, I think, in, in their opener, and I think Louisiana was ranked like 25th or something, right, last year. People are like, oh, I don't know, maybe Texas is going to be decent. And then they went to Arkansas and got pushed around. So the Longhorns, again, 20-point underdogs against Texas. They have uh, Texas San Antonio at home after Alabama. Then they have to go to Lubbock, uh, and then they have West Virginia at home before Oklahoma. So – there you go. And you know, the one thing is Texas isn't ranked in the top 25. They were in a lot of the preseason polls, but not ranked in the, uh, in the top 25. So Alabama, again, oh, my gosh. Quinn Ewers going to have to deal with Will Anderson. That and probably Dallas be Turner. Fun. Yeah. And yeah. he's got, what, two true freshmen on his offensive line? Uh-huh. That's not going to be pretty. Actually, it'll be gorgeous, actually. It'll be amazing to watch. Now you're going to be on the air at noon, right? I, you yeah, got, that's you true. Got so Fox, I probably you got your Fox Sports app ready to go and everything. Yeah, I'm going to have to have I'm going to have to have Brian Vineyard come by with a TV screen on a dolly 
and set up that Texas-Alabama game so that I can watch it while Jackson Arnold and I are vibing on the air for two hours. Then again, by the time I go on air, the game might be over. Could be. Yeah. Uh, Alabama be... could be up 31-0 to zero at that point. So are you wanting, as a Big 12 fan, are you wanting to see Texas be competitive or are you wanting the absolute decimation of the Longhorns? Here's the thing. You can legitimately say, when you look at the landscape of college football, there are certain programs that have not been good as of late that you can legitimately say, college football is better when these programs are elite. To me, Florida State is one of those programs. Nebraska is certainly one of those programs. I don't feel like you could make the argument that college football on the whole is better when Texas is good. Texas being good does not move the needle for anyone because unless you are a Texas fan, you hate Texas. No one is simply indifferent about the University of Texas. Texas is up there with uh, like the, the real Miami teams, the U teams back in the day. That, you know, were despised. And again, I would actually say Miami is one of those teams. Yeah. That, like, if they're they good, it's good for college football. You think Miami's but good for nobody, college football? Okay. No college football fan. Nobody who's looking out so for the good of college football saying, is sitting there saying, oh, if only Texas was elite again. You are saying Texas is the most hated college football program. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I don't think it's close. Am I wrong? Mm, is there anybody I'm that's... I'm trying to think. Is Notre Dame out no, there? No, no, Notre no, Dame? no. People don't hate Notre Dame. Here's the thing. Notre Dame, like... They've got a national alumni because of the uh, Catholic Church, and... And now that Marcus Freeman is their head coach, Notre Dame has actually become... More likable. Quite likable. Yeah. I mean, I haven't hated Notre Dame, but Muleshoe, USC, is kind of despised right now, right? Yeah, what was that That article that was... That basically asserted, USC is now the most hated team in college football. They should be. And I, I need some Stanford gear before Saturday. You think USC's a nine-point favorite. Uh, what percentage chance do you have Stanford pulling the upset on ABC Saturday night? Primetime at Muleshoe. If they do, I'm looking forward to you showing up oh, as the tree mascot. That would be so – that would be unbelievable. Please let it happen. Please let it happen. What's happened to Stanford football the last few years? I don't know, man. You always thought that – and, you know – Somebody mentioned on the text line yesterday they took Oregon down last year, but they just don't – they're not what they used to be. You always thought Stanford for a Pac-12 school is going to play pretty physical, have some good quarterback play. Uh, who is the running back they had? Uh, Bryce Love, is that his name? Bryce Love, yeah. yeah he was, was kind really of the good. successor to Christian McCaffrey yeah, there. And uh, never panned out in the NFL, obviously, but uh, Christian McCaffrey was unbelievable. But you always thought, man, David Shaw is going to coach him up. They're going to beat some people. They're going to be a factor in the Pac-10 and uh, possibly win the league. So it would be – Texas A&M is hated by a lot. Yeah, I think, I think particularly now with the way A&M is going about its business. And, again, it's legal – but, and Nick Saban threw some uh, lighter fluid on the fire, too. Also, I love that people have begun referring to A&M as Texas ATM mm-hmm. because it's a play on their logo as yeah. well as the fact that they're just basically printing money for recruits these days. Yeah. Texas has made themselves look worse for the complaints about the horns down stuff. I agree with that. Yeah, that looks – man, if people are, you know, basically, to me – that shows our people are a little bit infatuated with your program when they're doing that all the time. I take that almost as a compliment, man. 
but not the Longhorns. Jason Orange County says Texas will be boat raced by Bama five minutes into the second quarter. Bama wants to show Texas recruits that Texas is trash. By the way, Tecilia Kana is taking his Texas official visit this weekend, oh, which nice. couldn't come at a better time if you're an Oklahoma football fan. Yes. So you are not giving the Horns even a 5% chance. I'll be astonished if they keep this game close, let alone win. Yeah, I will too. I will too. So, and again, um, the fact that they've had injuries on the offensive line and when you're going up against what Bama has on defense, Will Anderson's probably the best player in college football. Here's the question I would raise. Is this Texas football team, on the whole, substantially better than the Texas football team that we saw a year ago? If the answer is yes, it's not by much. And do we remember who they got boat raced by in week two last year? It was Arkansas. It was. Arkansas and Alabama are nowhere close to the same level. And so you think I think the final score was what 41-14 last year 41-21 it something was a, like that. It was a solid beatdown, yes. Yeah. You think about what Arkansas did to that Texas team? What is Alabama going to do to this Texas team? Uh is anyone more hated than USC after what Muleshoe did to OU and Pitts? I I think SC is is right there. No doubts. Um because, you know, Lincoln Riley and the portal and everything and all the stuff he said. Now, obviously, it's a lot more played up here in Oklahoma, but I, I don't think there are a lot of uh, fans outside of USC fans that are rooting a lot for the Trojans this year. Okay, break time right here. Take a timeout. Come back. More texts on the way. And we'll talk about uh, Baker. Baker versus the Browns this weekend. Can Baker get it done? We'll get into that more when we get back here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we're back. One last segment locked in coming up here at the top of the hour. Baker against the Browns this weekend, noon on CBS from Charlotte, North Carolina, Bank of America Stadium. And uh, the Panthers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cleveland Browns this weekend. This would be a nice Victory for Baker, very meaningful if he can get it against Cleveland coming up on Sunday. And again, Carolina is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Matt Rule, the Panthers coach, uh, was asked about what it's going to be like this weekend, all the focus again on Baker against his old team. And Matt Rule said, nah, you know what, it's, it's not Baker against the Browns here. Yeah, the hype isn't around Baker here. I mean, the hype's around Christian McCaffrey and Shaq Thompson and Dante Jackson and all those guys. Uh, Baker's, you know, one of 53, um, but he is our quarterback. You know, we are, we are certainly going to rally around him. And, uh, you know, I want Baker to be Baker. I don't, I don't want him to be – I don't want him to be anything else other than what he is. Um, but, you know, this, this, this is a game of 11 guys executing together, and we want to be connected as a team. Um, so we're excited. I'm excited to see Baker play for the first time, but I'm excited to get Christian back out there and, and many, many more. All right, there you go. That is Matt Rule. Kevin Stefanski, uh, they were pursuing questions about uh, facing off against Baker this weekend, and Kevin Stefanski was not taking the bait. Yeah, I mean, I don't really – I really don't worry about that. I don't. I worry about trying to go 1-0 versus a good football team on the road. Uh, I could promise you there's a lot of guys in here that are – 
brand new to this organization, uh, new players, they, they don't really concern themselves about the past. Really good football player, and, and we got to get to work and prepare and play them. There you go. Baker's got to win this game this weekend, right, Parker? I mean, you're Carolina, you're at home. Cleveland doesn't have their creepy quarterback until later in the season. You're facing Jacoby Brissett. Yes, you should win this game if you're Carolina and you're Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Baker play well and bounce back because if there's a disaster, would not be good for, uh, you know, for Baker's confidence because he was no question his confidence was completely shaken last year. A lot of it was injuries. Some of it, well, maybe not a lot, but certainly a part of it was the injuries, and he looked good in the preseason. So we'll see. By the way, Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, one listener said Emmett Smith's son is going to run Muleshoe out of the stadium. I didn't realize this until last week, but Emmett Smith's son, EJ, is a running back at Stanford. He had an 87-yard touchdown run last nice. week in the Cardinals season opener. Remember at one point uh, Stanford had uh, B.J. Sanders, too, before he ended up transferring to Oklahoma State. So there you go. Oh, please. I would love to see Muleshoe, that sack of feces, get his keister kicked Saturday night in prime time. That would be that would be awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's gonna be a full day for you, isn't it? Because you got Texas Alabama at eleven AM mm-hmm. yep. and you're gonna to have to jump on pregame. Right. And then you can flip back and forth in the evening between OU Kent State and Mule Shoe Stanford. Yeah, and you had Oklahoma State, Arizona State uh, at the same time. So the TV, the remote's going to have to be working, and you, you need to get the multiple TV set up. There's no doubt about it. So uh, South Carolina at Arkansas. Spencer Rattler, two picks in his first game, did throw a touchdown pass. Um, other national games, Tennessee at Pitt, Tennessee unranked. Uh, Pitt won the backyard brawl. They're ranked 17th, but Tennessee favored by six at Pittsburgh. Kentucky at Florida. Mark Stoops and uh, company going to uh, the Swamp, and uh, Florida's favored by four and a half in that matchup. And, by the way, SC favored by nine at Stanford. So there you go. Baylor at BYU, what kind of feel do you have for that one? BYU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going Baylor. Yeah, game's going to tell us a lot more than anything else about Blake Shapin. Yeah. Because BYU's got a good signal caller in Jaron Hall. So, can Blake Shapin keep pace? That is the question in my mind. Because we know Baylor's always going to be a good defensive team. They'll probably do an adequate job of keeping Jaron Hall from pushing the ball downfield and uh, letting the BYU receivers get beyond the secondary. But the question is, if BYU races out the gate – and scores a couple touchdowns in the early stages, stakes themselves to a double-digit lead, is Blake Shapin the type of quarterback that can dig you out of a hole like that? Yeah, we may find out. Coming up, that game kicks at 9-15 on ESPN Saturday night, so we're a little late-night viewing. Hopefully after Muleshoe, NSC goes down at Stanford. Please let it happen, football gods. I will sacrifice – well, I won't sacrifice anything, but just let it happen. All right, thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley and all the good folks over at Riverwind Casino. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're out of here. Locked in. Coming up next.